Good morning. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little nervous, so we're going to get through this together. Uh, I'm in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, and I'm going to read uh, verse 7 through 16. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He also descended. Uh, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for build, building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statu stature of fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it binds itself up in love. Thank you. You may be seated. And also, uh, at this time, children may be dismissed for the uh, amazing program uh, for them during church. Afterwards, uh, you go downstairs to pick up your kids. Welcome uh, warmly to First Baptist Church. I'm so glad you're here. I welcome you in the majestic and wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. In Hebrew, it's Barak Hashem. Blessed be the name. Barak Hashem. Welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. We're glad you're here on this beautiful Monterey Day on March 1st. Goodness sakes. Spring is on the way. How would you know? You know, it's like we just had summer this past week, so now we're, I guess we're going back to spring here in a few days. But uh, welcome warmly to First Church Monterey. Uh, we're in the book of Ephesians. It's one of Paul's letters. Uh, to a town called Ephesus, which was an amazing Roman center of culture and political power and influence and trade, economy, uh, economic boom uh, for many, many, many years. It's in modern-day Turkey, uh, and they had lots of uh, wild things going on there, like the Roman form of entertainment, like would be going on in the Colosseum, uh, horrendous uh, things happening. They also had big, huge, gl uh, glaring temples. They had like two of them that over overlooked the whole city, and uh, it was a pretty um, uh, interesting and amazing place. And uh, Paul visited there, and God birthed a little Christian church there. Um, and Paul then spent three whole years teaching in Ephesus, 
It's been some years since then, and he's currently in prison. He's actually in prison for a long period of time. It looks like the history points out that he's in prison about four years, and during that period of time, he wrote quite a few of his letters. At some level, we're thankful Paul was thrown in jail because uh, it slowed him down, and he did a lot of thinking and did a lot of writing. And because of that, we have some of the greatest books of the Bible. So thank you, Lord, for uh, torturous imprisonments. You know, uh, they, they, There's much good that can come out of them. And uh, Ephesians is an example of that. Uh, so we've been working through it, and it's um, rich. It's rich. Much, much beauty and teaching in this book. So I want to look today. We don't have a lot of time. I've chosen the title carefully of Loved and Significant. Uh, and the alley read so beautifully our text. I want to back up of just a few verses into the last part of... Let's, let me read uh, actually from chapter 4, verse 1. And just this is the context in which our text is. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. I pointed out that's very much an echo of chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And for Paul, he'd, he'd be thinking Messiah. Christ is the same word for Messiah, you recall. And he's a born a Jewish man. And he'd be looking for and hoping for the Messiah his entire life. It's the center of their faith. And then the, the Messiah reveals himself to Paul in a dramatic, smashing way, bright way. And Paul found, he, he said, who are you? And Jesus said, I am, I am the Lord whom you are persecuting. And so when Paul says in chapter 3, verse 1, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Messiah Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. That's what exactly he's thinking. He's, he's made a prisoner of the Lord. Uh, and he happens to be a prisoner of Rome, too, right now. And so in verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. There's a probability or a possibility. You'll see this all over the Word of God. Uh, I just heard a little sermon on Jesus teaching, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, right? And then what does he immediately go into? Well, there might be a problem. You as salt might lose your flavor. You might become worthless. You as light might put a bushel over your light, which would extinguish the light or at least eliminate its usefulness, right? So right, right there, there's a problem-solving uh, mentality. And so Paul says, walk in a manner worthy. Don't be unworthy. You've been called. Rise to the call, right? With all humility. Last week, uh, we looked at this. We talked about a humble uh, attitude, a lowly attitude with all humility and gentleness, with patience. And we talked about loving 
a loving action, bearing with one another in love. In, in the church, in love, we've been saved by the grace of God, and we need to bear with one another. We will disappoint one another. We will screw up. We will make mistakes. We will sin and cause uh, havoc in our, each other's lives. And his solution isn't get out of there and run off to a different congregation as soon as you can. His solution is bear with one another, love each other, hang in there with a the relationship. Uh, that's what God has called us to. Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's a word play there. In, Paul wrote in the language called Koine Greek. And there's a word play because up in verse 1, he says, I'm a prisoner. That's the same root word. I'm, I'm in bonds. I'm in, I'm in chains for, for the Lord. And when he says, bear with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, that word bond is the same root word. We, we should look at ourselves as prisoners of peace, bound to peace, instead of division and war and hatred and uh, and anything else that the devil would want to sow in our midst, right? Maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Then, in verse 4, 5, and 6, Paul lists, uh, it's hard to even describe this, I, I, I said there are um, seven levels, I think I might have said, probably a bad word, seven Layers, probably not a good word. Seven, <laughs> seven statements. There we go. Seven statements. We can agree with that. On oneness, oneness, unity. He says, maintain the unity. Why? Verse 4, there is. And I talked about how we, part of the task of being a human being is figuring out what is and living congruently with it consistently with what really is, what actually exists. And he, so he says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope, that's the third one, that belongs to your call. Fourth one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, that's the seventh, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So one, 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 seven onenesses, statements uh, about the oneness. And you can even see the Trinity in there because he has, he has one spirit, one Lord, and one Father. Now, th this is significant, and uh, this is the reason I'm sort of belaboring. If I'm belaboring, I don't think I am, but let's say I was. <laughs> Linguistically, this, this language comes to us, and it doesn't make good English at all. But verse 7, see, he goes, so we just went through the seven levels of oneness. Uh, the very first word in verse 7 is the word one. See, but grace was given to each one. So that English, again, English, it's horribly awkward. I can't even say it, right, in English. But one to each was given grace uh, by Jesus Christ. So, each one, this is the emphasis. 
And that's why I'm saying loved and significant. Each one of us in the body of Christ is loved by Jesus Christ and significant to the body. Every single last one of us all are significant in the body of Christ. Each and every member of Christ's body is loved and significant in building his church. So, let's look at this. I'm going to give you, don't be overwhelmed by this, I warn you, and don't write it down. You don't need to. Um, there's too many words on this slide. <laughs> Excuse me. This is actually a roadmap of this paragraph. Okay? And we'll come back to this a couple of times in, in the remainder hour and a half of my sermon. Um, <laughs> I never get tired of that joke. <laughs> um, it's a roadmap of this paragraph. And, and you can, you can kind of see it, right? You, can, you know, you've got glasses and everything. Uh, so I'm saying, this is kind of my title. Every member is loved and significant. So it starts out, the, g Christ, uh, we'll open this up in a minute, but he gives gifts of service are given to each of us. This is to build up the body of Christ. This leads to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. This essentially is to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's the goal. So, so the gifts are given to each one. Remember, every single one of you. No one is left out of this. He emphasizes that word one. All of us are given gifts to build the body of Christ to the end that we should be uh, in unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God and to a maturity and the, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The goal is humongous. It's as high as the sky. Uh, and he gives a little contrast. It's not, not like children who are going to be tossed around by various waves of doctrine. He doesn't want us to be children. We're supposed to be mature and strong, standing on our own. And part of that is each uh, speaking the truth in love, we grow into Christ. And then the last part of it is reminder, it's all Christ's work. If you look at the text, I'm, I'm picking up on verse 16 there. From whom, he says, into Christ. From whom? The whole body, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit too. Reminder, it's all Christ's work. Each part must work properly. That just really jumps out uh, there in verse 16, you see. When each part is working properly, and then finally the body builds itself up in love. Okay, so let's start at the top. We have this gifting, this beautiful, picturesque language in verses 7, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, He ascended on high. He led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying, He ascended, what does it mean? but that he had also descended. There's an old song. He came down to my level when I couldn't get up to his. Uh, kind of a cool old song. I don't even know how old it is, but I like it anyway. 
That's the idea. That's what we celebrate in communion, dear friends. Body and blood of, of Jesus who came down. He became a man. And guess what? He's a man for eternity. He's still a man. Yes, he's fully God. But he's a human being forever for us. He, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. That's what he says. And so it's, it's amazing. He, he came to us. And he who descended is, see verse 9, is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So as Eugene mentioned in talking about communion today, that Jesus, while he was on the earth, he, he looked exactly like uh, every other human being. And he willingly gave up his independent use of many of his divine attributes. It's complicated. We don't fully understand that. But like Eugene said, uh, there were things that he didn't know. He wasn't, he was localized. Uh, and again, we, we quickly get into the tall grass here because it's really quite complicated. Um, so we don't need to do that. Let's just go with the text today. Um, now, this is a, a beautiful picture. He, he quotes from a Psalm of David. I think it's Psalm 68. Yeah, Psalm 68, this, this quote. He says, therefore it says, and the it is the scripture. Uh, he wasn't as careful to give us the exact, you know, reference. Uh, he just said, it says this. <laughs> Which is kind of cool. <laughs> uh, but it's a, a Psalm of David. So it's written around 1,000 years before Christ. And it's this interesting picture of the way things used to be. Um, I had the awesome privilege, by the grace of God, to go to Rome last year. I've mentioned it a couple of times. It was a highlight of, of my life. A highlight. You know. I've, had, I've had way too many highlights. Uh, there are a lot of lowlights, too, but we won't talk about this. <laughs> But if you go to the you go to the Colosseum and work your way into the Roman Forum, you pass the Arch of Titus. They're into these arches, and the these you know Arc, Arc de Triomphe, for example. And there's one in New York City too. Um, these arcs would be built, and this is the Arc of Titus, for example, would be built to uh, memorialize a great victory. The, the, the great conqueror has re, is returning from battle. And, and that one particularly right there has hit him carrying the golden implements from the temple in Jerusalem. They sacked Jerusalem in 70 AD and they bring back the wealth that was found there. They, you can see them carrying the menorah and you know various other things. And it's the idea, look, look at me, I've got all this stuff, and look behind me, i got the captives. I've subjugated these people, and now I'm wealthier. This is kind of a way for kingdoms to make money. You don't tax your own citizens, you go out and attack another citizen. Like, let's go for Canada. <laughs> They've got monopoly money. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but so it's this old idea. That, uh, and this is the image, though, uh, uh, of our text. Christ has come to the earth. 
He's conquered evil. He's taken captive Satan and his demons. They're in chains. And he's headed back to his royal city, his royal throne. And he happens to be wealthy at this point. So he's giving gifts as he goes along. Here, you, take this bag of gold. And so that's the image. And so let's start there at the very first word here. The first word is grace, but grace, I said, the, you know, in, in Greek, the word is one, but grace has been given. So I have this picture of, of a, a little well-wrapped box handed to us. And this is the gospel. It begins with the gospel. Uh, if you look at Ephesians 2, you come to verses 8 and 9 and 2, and it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So here's this massive, beautiful reality. Jesus Christ came to conquer our enemy, which happens to be our own sin, and to take the wrath of God on himself, on the cross, and he conquers it, rising in victory, ascending, and he stretches out his hands with this gift of grace that you and I can receive. We can be totally forgiven. It's a gift of love. That one song we just sang says, oh, said, your love poured out on me. That's the, the picture here. Here's this gift, this gift of grace. But notice the word of God says in Roman, excuse me, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved. Now, see, salvation is completely the work of God. Grace is unmerited favor. We don't merit this. We don't work for this. It's a gift. It's just something that God gives us. We can't do it by ourselves. You can't pay for your own sins. Actually, you, 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 you would pay if you choose not to accept this gift of grace, of salvation, of forgiveness from Jesus. You will pay forever and ever, eternally, separated from God, in hell, seriously. And, and you'll never pay. It'll never come to the end of it. This is the horror. And so this, this, is, this is the grace. Receive this gift of kindness, of love. And look what it says here. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Our part is simply to say, okay, I believe that. I need this. I admit it. I accept this gift of grace given to me. It's so beautiful. Uh, that, is the, that is the grace that God gives us. That is the good news for you today. But grace was given to each one of us. And he's talking about here the people who are part of the church. They've believed. And this gift is handed to them. But there's more in the box than simply having your sins forgiven. It's also a relationship with God where we're committed to him. And we're now a part of the body of Christ. And, and so he says, according to the measure of Christ's gifts... And what he says is this gift is our gifts of service uh, for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Every member is therefore loved 
He loves you. He gives you this gift. And you're significant in this box. You have a gift necessary for the growth of the body of Christ. Now let me put it this way. In the box, you have a gift that's necessary for the growth of the body of Christ. You do. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Each one. It's not, not a priestly class. You know, not the reverend. Not the, the professional. No. Each and every one of us has a gift. You are significant. And, and shame be upon us if we put our light under a bushel or if our salt becomes worthless. Because you know who you're hurting, really? You're really ultimately hurting yourself. <laughs> but you're hurting the, the, the local church. You know, God has called you to. Because you're off doing your own thing, you know? I decided my gift is scuba diving. <laughs> and I just have to do it every Sunday morning. <laughs> or, or, you know, God forbid, my gift is Little League Baseball for my kids. And I worship the ground they walk on, and I don't have time for Christ's church. You could name a thousand things. It can be anything. Um, so this is what Paul is saying. Look, he gave gifts to each one of us. And so into verse 11, let's look at these gifts really quickly. I don't have a lot of time. He starts sort of at the top level. He, he gave the apostles. In the first century of the church, there were 12 apostles. And they're actually named in the book of Revelation. Their names are on the foundation stones of, of um, the New Jerusalem. There's 12 of them. And we believe that era is over and done. They've done their work. They're, they're no more apostles. That's what we believe. The prophets, now in the first century once again, there were people producing the Word of God. They would speak, and it would be the Word of God. And they were uh, all, you know, revealing from God. Again, I believe that gift has transpired, and it has not, not happening today uh, in the church. He gave some, he gave the apostles, the prophets. Now, how about the evangelists? Well, yes, now that is a gift that's still very much functioning. People who have the, the gift of being uh, gospelizing people, of telling God's good news to people. And then the shepherds. Uh, Allie read it as pastors, which is the same word. Uh, the, the church is given people who will oversee and love and feed the flock of God. The shepherds. And then the teachers. Okay. And what are, what are these groups? Let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five. What are those five levels of giftedness? What are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to, they're, they're responsible for all of the building up of the body of Christ? Well, then what were you saying about to each one of us, right? Well, look at how the text develops this. What, what is their job? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. So, the uh, pastors, evangelists, teachers 
are there to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry so that the all of the saints are equipped to do the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Here's Every member is loved and significant. The gifts of service are given to each one of us. This is to build up the body of Christ. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. We all have a part in this job that God is calling us to, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Where is this going? Verse 13, until we all attain, here's the word, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That's the goal. It starts about what you know. Do you know the truth about God, about this Messiah that Paul has been talking about? Uh, remember, we read in verse, verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's the same word he uses here, this word unity. And strangely enough, this is the only two times it's in the New Testament that this particular word for unity that Paul uses there. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, and now the unity of the faith. Christianity is not a bunch of different faiths. It's one faith. And that's one of the levels of oneness, right? One faith, and what else does it say? And of the knowledge, the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and we are to be Jesus experts and to delve deeply into who he is. Let's pause here for a minute and think about this. He, Paul, the apostle, uh, talks about this uh, a couple of times in our book. Look at first chapter, verse 17. This, this again, the, the quote I'm zeroing in on is until we all maintain to the unity, attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. In 117, a verse that I just love uh, beautifully, he says, um, well, let's go ahead and read 15, 16, and 17. For this reason, and again, chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Messiah. That's an interesting way to put it, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ is saying, Jesus Christ has a God. But there's one God. Yes, but he exists in three persons. Jesus Christ, who is this God? He says, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So, again, Paul says, listen, we're all in this together to attain to the unity of the faith and the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. We are to know who He is and 
grasp as best we can uh, his nature and, and understand the, the beautiful revelation that is so new to Paul. Uh, he's been living with it for about 20 years now when he writes this. But it's just so new that, that this Messiah is God and he has his Father and there's Son and the, there's Holy Spirit. This is an amazing new mystery, new revelation to the Apostle Paul. It comes out also, look, in 3, 17 through 19. So again, unity in the knowledge of the Son of God. 3, 17 and following. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength. It's going to take strength. Again, this is not just for the professionals. This is for all of us to have this strength to what? To comprehend. There's a huge, honestly, intellectual aspect to this. It's the heart, yes, but it's the mind as well. You, you shouldn't come to a scripture and say, well, I'm sorry, it's just too confusing for me. Well, that means you just got to put more work in on it. And you have to read some good commentaries. And you have to ask questions and work on it with all the saints. That you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I love that. Because you see what he just said there. I want you to know something that surpasses knowledge. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, we're not into some little, small, little, uh, easily explain, eh, explainable sort of formula. You know, like, I can sum this all up for you. Uh, no, it's, it's bigger. It's wilder. It's more amazing than you could ever really think. Oh, and again, back to the Holy Text of Scripture, chapter 3, verse 19. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So what Paul is saying now in chapter 4 is this is an all-hands-on-deck. It takes the whole church to come to this unity of the faith and unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. And then what, what is that going to look like? It's going to be all uni unity of the body of Christ, which leads to this, what he calls the mature manhood. To mature manhood. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because literally the word is, is means a male there. But he's not saying all Christians should become males. <laughs> what a relief there, right? <laughs> but it, it's the idea, it's contrast with, with the children, not children, tossed to and fro. You, you're going to be a grown man who can stand on his own two feet, who can put his big boy pants on, and comprehend this massive height and breadth and length and whatever else you said there. <laughs> yeah. now, like We're called to be, oh, believe me, dearest friends, I think one of the saddest things I ever saw on television, uh, a pastor said, he stood in the pulpit, dear God, and he said, I'm not a theologian. It's like, well, then sit down, sir. <laughs> yeah. Because you know what, the pastor better be a theologian, but you all are supposed to be theologians. It's not the professional class. 
Now you might not be able to talk like Al Mohler, like one of the best theologians on the U.S. soil today. You know, who can, for heaven's sakes? He's one of a kind. You may not be one of those guys, you know. But to know, but to love God and know him, and to be head over heels with what is true. That, that's the unity of the body. Um, I, I, <laughs> I only have 75 more minutes, so i got to hurry. <laughs> okay, I got you to laugh that time. <laughs> I'm so privileged. You know, I stand here as a massively graced individual. Graced beyond I can ever tell you. And one of those things is, is, is earthly blessings. I have 17 grandkids. They're all under eight years old, eight and under. That's the truth. <laughs> and it's so amazing. It's so beautiful. And some of them live with us. And you know, it's such a privilege because I'm, I'm reliving what it was like to be the father. I was the father of nine kids. I have five sons, four daughters. It took me a long time to remember that. You know? <laughs> but, but here's my point. My point is this. It's so wonderful to see these little kids growing up and, and how they're so foolish. And, and it takes a, a million times to tell them not to do something. You know, how many times does it take to teach your child to shut the door? <laughs> right? Am I right? We're heating, <laughs> we're heating the house, for heaven's sakes. Shut the door. And, and it's, it's a never-ending task. But you expect more out of an adult, Right? You actually expect maturity. And that's our goal. All hands on deck to help us all grow to maturity. To help us to be, I love this. this. I, can't, I should fit it into every single sermon. Our, our local redwood trees. They're strong. They can take the wind. They're mature. And they've grown from little saplings, right? To be strong and mature. That's our goal. And we need each other to get there. That really is the main point of all of this. The language here is awesome. Not children tossed around. Uh, let me read the text here. It says that we may be no longer. Notice the no longer. Like we all start there. You know, we all start as children. That we no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried. I found this cute little picture of a paper boat being tossed around on the waves he wants us to go from just like oh that's interesting oh that's interesting oh that's interesting to be like stable like this you know a, a nice little old square rigger here stable i can take some waves i know what's true and where i am going i'm not tossed around and it, no, it's by human cunning and the craftiness and deceitful schemes there's just a ton of false doctrine and it's crafted by our enemy to distract us, to get us off into some alleyway while we're, we're arguing over stupid stuff, wasting our time on stupid stuff. That's where he wants you. And, and, and it takes all hands on deck to keep us uh, where God wants us to be. Okay, moving through the text. This is so beautiful, verse seven, uh, 15. It's in this context. Verse 15 is, rather speaking the truth in love, 
we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Again, this is all hands. All of us are growing to be able to speak the truth in, in love. You know, <laughs> I went to a Christian college and I had a fantastic time. I have some lifelong friends from that. And once in a while, we'd get into an argument in the dorm over theology. And we would just be screaming our heads off for hours and almost tearing each other up. And it would sometimes end with, a, you know, some fights and brawling and all over, all over the precious word of God. <laughs> yeah. That's not speaking the truth in love, right? Uh, no, the, speaking the truth. And, and again, this is for everybody, that we all will grow to the point where we can speak the truth to each other that will build up the body of Christ. Okay, here's our main roadmap. We're, we're basically done. Every member is loved and significant. You're all handed this gift of grace. And in the box is salvation, but it's also service and growth for the body. And so in this box are these gifts of service, each one of us. What's the purpose of this gift? It's to build up the body of Christ. It leads to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. It leads to a mature manhood. And these are all the same things. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We didn't even touch that. It's too big. Too big. Not children tossed around, but each speaking the truth in love, we grow into Christ. And I said, re reminder, it's all Christ's work. Remember the word from whom, verse 16, from whom. Look at that reference I have there in 529. Here he's talking about marriage. Uh, and he says this, though, a beautiful thing about Jesus. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. So in our text in chapter 4, He's saying, all of us, all hands on deck, you are supposed to be nourishing the church. You're supposed to be growing the church. You together, we all reach this unity goal together. See, But it's Christ working through all of that process. He is the one who said, I will build my church. He is the one here in 529 that says, he nourishes and cherishes. He nourishes and cherishes the body. He doesn't hate his own flesh. He loves his flesh. He gave his flesh for his flesh. And so it is reminder. It is Christ's work. And, and then I really, I want to just end with this last part. That is, every member is loved and significant, but the, the words are each part must work properly. Each part must work properly. This is true uh, diversity and democracy. Everybody in the church is charged with this. Each part of the body must work properly. You, know, you must do what God has called you to do. Are, are you? Father, help us to understand your great truth today. Teach us, O oh Lord. Would you guide us? and encourage us to know our part and do it for your glory. Help us to love one another, to be patient with one another, to bear with one another, to speak the truth, 
to one another in love. Thank you for the love that you lavish on us. And Lord, if there's one or two or seven or 15 here today who never even taken the box from your hand, you've, you've offered this grace of forgiveness and they've been too busy, too distracted, too, too whatever to take time to even listen to what the box is. Lord, please open their hearts. Please open their hearts to see that they need to come to faith in Jesus. They need to receive the, the, the glorious offer of loving, loving forgiveness. Lavish and pour your love out on them. Oh, Lord, open their hearts to see that they need you. I pray in the name of Jesus I ask this. Amen.